Now, Tanya and I have nearly been married 16 years, but there's one thing we haven't worked, well, there's a number of things, but one thing in particular that we haven't actually worked out yet after 16 years, and that's the, um, the driver-navigator relationship. Now, we've both got strengths and weaknesses in this area. Uh, when it comes to patience, Tanya definitely wins that one. When it comes to spatial ability, uh, now I'm holding the microphone so I get to choose the answers and, and I say I win that one. But when it comes to being a, a bit of a control freak, it depends whether you call it winning or losing, but I think I lose depending on which way you look at that. But there's a particular scenario that happens occasionally that's uh, fairly consistent and involves me sitting driving the car. Do you know, do you know where we're going, Tan? Uh, what are you doing? I'm trying to get a GPS signal. No, and I was sitting there driving, and it's like, are you all right? Do you, do you need a hand? No, no, I'm all good. Oh, there we go. Cool. I've got it now. It says we've got 11 hours to go. Oh, hang on. Hang on. That's New South Wales. I better change the address. <laughs> it's like, awesome. Oh, uh, Tan, Tan do, you, um, do you need me to pull over? Oh, if you want to. I actually really don't want to, but... Um, I wouldn't mind knowing where we're going, and uh, I'm driving, and you've got the map, and it would be really good to know where we're going, and you're the one who's going to be able to tell us. Uh, yeah, we're meant to turn off back there. Awesome, thanks. This, this happens fairly, uh, not fairly regularly, but occasionally, this uh, conversation, you can ask Tanya for the truth later. So, as I said, I've got the microphone, so I get to tell the story my way. But I can tell you, it's really frustrating not knowing where you're going sometimes. And my experience in that circumstance is not necessarily criticism about Tanya, it's more a criticism about driving and not knowing where I'm going. It's frustrating and it's, it's a really anxious place to be driving along and going, I, I don't actually know where I'm going here. We've already you know, prayed for our kids and uh, it's been awesome to, to dedicate Eleanor this morning. And, and when you look at their lives and our lives, there's, there's this aspect of not actually knowing where we're going. Kids, do you know what teacher you got this year? So you've been introduced to your teacher? Yep. Who's really excited about that? Cool. There's some, there's some really excited people. But you don't know what it's going to be like, do you? There's some things that maybe might happen that you don't know what's going to happen. Isn't there? And sometimes that can be really hard. And sometimes that can make us anxious, sometimes that can make us fearful, sometimes we can be worried about those things, and sometimes we can be excited too about the things. There's some super adventurous people who love not knowing what's happening and, uh, and diving into it. But what's interesting is, is when we look at the dedication of Jesus, there's actually two other characters in the story that make it a really interesting space looking at the unknown and, and what's coming up and, and having an idea of what it looks like when you don't know what's coming. So we're going to look at Luke 2, starting at verse 21 this morning. And as I said, it's the, it's the dedication of Jesus. Starting at verse 21, it says, Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offering, as required by the law of Moses, after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of, law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
Now, we don't actually know what Mary and Joseph's attitude was in this. We, we, like, it doesn't explain any more than this. But um, you can see that there was a, a duty that was required. There was something that, uh, that was done potentially out of obligation. Now, they might have been passionately happy to go and do that and really personally excited about that. But there is also this risk that they're doing it because they've got to do it. They're doing it because that's what we've always done. They're doing it because they're just going through the motions and the traditions. And, and there's a risk there that uh, Mary and, and Joseph potentially are uh, doing this dedication because they should. And yet it says in Hosea 6.6, 6, 6, 6, God says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. So already in, in the approach of, of this, this potential ritual, we can see God's heart's not just to tick a box, but it's actually, uh, it's actually much more of a heart decision than it is a, um, a, a ritual or a task that we do because we're obligated to. Let's continue at verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. Now, we know Simeon was an old man. I don't know why, but for some reason, I've kind of got this idea of, you know, Morgan Freeman with dreadlocks or something. He's kind of, I've just got this picture of this old guy that's, uh, that's kind of, that's really wise and um, just, just a little bit quiet. But, uh, but yeah, we, we, we know he's an old, old man, and we also know that he is devout and righteous. There, there's no confusion here about his motive. We could be confused about what Mary and Joseph's motive, but, but for him, we know he's a passionate man that has committed his life to God. He's being led by the Holy Spirit, and, and he's motivated um, just to, because he's devout and, and passionate, which is phenomenal. He had amazing faith, and he trusted God. Not only that God would rescue the Israelite people by sending a Messiah that he was waiting for, but also that what God had promised him personally would actually come true. Two amazing things, just the big picture stuff, but also personally for him, that God would actually come through in his circumstances. Now, he spent his life waiting for that promise to come true. And we know he was an old man. And yet, he had an amazing trust in God. He had an amazing trust in God that meant that when he looked at his future, when he waited and waited and waited, he knew that God was going to provide. And he didn't just provide. Even when he was there, he was able to share a message with Mary 
and provide for her in a really significant way. Now, we might look at that message and go, oh, that's not actually the funnest message that, um, what do you say? And a sword will pierce your very soul. Sounds, sounds pretty dramatic. But when you think about a loving God that wants to help Mary on her journey, on this new journey with her eight-day-old baby, God's actually lovingly preparing her for what's coming too. Lovingly preparing her for what's coming. We then get introduced to a second character in verse 36. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Now, in, in this, it, it refers to 84 years. There's a bit of, it's a bit ambiguous whether she was um, uh, a widow for 84 years or she died at the age of 84. It's a, it's a bit hard to tell from, from translations of the original text. But whichever way you look at it, she's had a bit of a tough gig. Culturally, to be a widow means your source of income is pretty much non-existent. Um, it sounds like in her circumstance that uh, she also doesn't have a house or any, anywhere to stay. She's, she's chosen to stay at the temple. Um, and if she became a widow after seven years of marriage, she's been doing this for a long time. This lady does not have it easy. And it's a bit hard for us to understand because culturally it's very different here. But then this, this lady's been doing the hard yards. She's been doing it tough. But there's a real similarity between her and Simeon. Because, again, there's a passion, a, a, a zeal. She, she worships and prays and fasts day and night. And her response, again, in this circumstance is pretty profound. She worships God here again and sees something really significant happening. She had a lot of reasons to be bitter towards God. To take your husband away, the one source of stability and identity in the community, the one thing that's going to you know, get you through the rest of your life, it's, it's, your, it's your insurance plan as your husband. And that was taken away. And so she could have been very bitter to God. She had good reason to. But she saw God in an amazing light. And this morning, I just want to touch briefly on what we can learn from these two pretty quirky characters that, to be honest, have very little to do with me. I'm not yet old. I don't live in Israel. I'm not part of the culture. Um, they're very different. And so the first thing is kind of to think, well, there's not much I can get out of that because they don't relate to me. They're They're not very much like me. But when you think about it, the picture is not actually about these two. It's about God. The picture is not actually about these two. It's about God. Because their circumstances, even between themselves, was very different. We have on one hand uh, a guy that probably has, has status that we don't know much about him, but, um, but he lives in a house. He doesn't live in the temple. Um, but he's a guy that has said, God, I'm going to trust you. And God's response in that, that circumstance is 100% faithfulness. If you look at his circumstance, what God said he would do, he did. Everything that God told Simeon would do, from the big picture of sending a Messiah to the little detail 
if you need to get down to the temple right now, God came through and was faithful in. In each circumstance, God provided. He provided his Holy Spirit and he, and he kept his promise. There was purpose and fruitfulness in what they were doing. And he even helped Mary understand, even when she wasn't asking for it, she, she, he, he used these two people to help her understand. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. I think today is a real opportunity for us because we look at a, a one-year-old life like Eleanor and we go, we can see Simon and Michelle's heart and desire to want the best for her, to want her to grow up and, and be an amazing woman that follows after God's heart. And yet we don't know. We can't tell you whether she's going to be a farmer or whether she's going to be a lawyer it, we have no idea. We don't have those answers. But when we look at that life, we can hope. And sometimes that gives us an opportunity, like it did in this circumstance for, for Jesus' family. It was almost like the passing of the baton, the changing of the guards, the old ones that had been doing this for a long time, that to Mary and Joseph and, and to Jesus little eight-year-old Jesus, would have seen, seemed very foreign, would have seemed very unfamiliar. But they had something to teach that young family in the same way that we can learn today um, in, in terms of looking at Eleanor's life and our lives too. Because we're all actually young, really. You are, Darren. It's all right. You're still young. <laughs> and these old people that are handing over the baton at this point ask some really significant questions or challenge us with some really significant questions. What is God saying? What's God saying? What's the hope that God offers? Can we personally experience his provision, his direction, his guidance? And with everything that he offers, his trustworthiness, his, his faithfulness, his plans and purposes, his ability to provide, what is our response in that? Because it's great to look at Eleanor and say, wow, it'll be fantastic when she grows up. It'd be great for her to follow the Lord. But there's a responsibility that we have to hand on the baton. The responsibility for us is to say, What's my dedication like? What am I modeling for the Eleanors and the kids going to school and for your friends at school? What is it that we're modeling that reflects a God who is trustworthy, a God who is faithful, a God who always provides, always come through? These two quirky characters represented that so amazingly well. Because I know God is those things. But there's times where I make decisions that don't reflect that. There's times where I fear. There's times where I am uncertain. And I don't step into the day knowing that God is faithful, being confident that God will provide. 
I ask questions. I wonder. Just like I'm sitting there driving going, are we ever going to get to the destination? I sometimes wonder that with God. And yet today we have an opportunity to, to, to be dedicated. Using dedication in, in the other sense of the word. And that is to commit ourselves to trusting God. Today we can look at Eleanor and say, Lord, we want to trust her with you. But what's the trust that we place ourselves in to show her what it looks like? And that's the choice I want to make, I want us to make today. Maybe for you, you go, I don't know whether God's trustworthy or not. I don't know whether God is actually faithful. I don't know whether he does provide. Put him to the test. Put him to the test because he is everything he says he is. Every promise is made, he keeps. So test him. Get your word, read it, see what he says, and he'll be faithful. Simeon waited a while for it to come through, but God was faithful. God didn't change his mind. If you're not sure if God will provide, test him. Share your heart with him. Put it on the line. If you do know God is faithful, if you do know he provides, if you do know he comes through, the ball's in your court. If you're not sure, throw the ball back at him and see where, where it bounces. But if you do know, the ball is in your court. And we have an opportunity to make choices in our lives that reflect a God that is faithful, to be dedicated, to be committed. To not make decisions out of fear, but, but make decisions out of confidence that God will provide. It's easy to talk about. It's, it's a little harder to do. And the significant part of the picture for Simeon and for Anna, only because we see in Anna that she was a prophet, so she obviously heard from God, but both Simeon and Anna were led by the Holy Spirit. It's really easy for us to get caught up going, I'm not trying hard enough, I've got to work harder. Um, and, and that's not God's intention. God's intention is to provide his spirit to do these things for us, to remind us when we're struggling, to pick us up when we're, when we're wallowing or fearful, to give us peace when we're anxious. So if you don't know what it's like to experience the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, again, ask God to provide. He's a faithful God and does that. Let's just pray. God, we don't want to play lip service this morning. We don't want to sing songs about how good you are and yet live lives that don't reflect that, Father. Lord, we don't want to read stories of people who've experienced your faithfulness and yet walk out and not have a story of our own. Lord, we thank you so much that in our weakness you are strong. Even when we don't understand, you still carry us. Even when we're afraid, you provide comfort. And when we're confused, you provide clarity. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to continue to reveal yourself right now in this place, Father 
to each one in their circumstances. Lord, for those that might have questions, for those that aren't sure, that don't know whether or not you are faithful, we ask, Lord, to reveal yourself in a fresh new way right now, Jesus. Lord, for those that are reminded this morning of how faithful you are, of how trustworthy you are, how reliable you are. Lord, I pray for a boldness that goes beyond understanding, a trust of you that goes beyond our own understanding, Lord God, and just sees you, Father, as an amazing provider, a loving God who wants us to understand that our future is not all unknown, that our future is actually in such good hands when we give it to you. Jesus, you promised us abundant life. That we could live life to the full, that we could live life as free people. And Father, I pray for anyone that might be struggling with that idea right now. That may be struggling with the idea of what freedom looks like, Lord God. That they're bound by fear, that they're bound by um, uh, things in this world that tie them down circumstances, experience, or relationships, Lord God. We just ask you to bring freedom to those things, Lord God. We thank you so much, Lord, that you provide. We thank you so much that you are a generous, gracious, merciful God. And we trust you, Lord God, with today. We trust you with Eleanor. But Lord, we don't want to just trust you with her. We trust you with our choices and our decisions. And we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you always, always fulfill your promises. And like Anna did, Lord God, we worship you and we praise you for what we know and what we don't know. In Jesus' name, amen.